0: really Reed. And I'm Dr. Amber Klimczak. And we are Two, Two Peaks in a Pod. Pod. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back. We are getting very close to the holidays. Are you all ready? Is your Christmas shopping done?
1: Not really. I, I knew it wasn't. <laughs> you work all the time. You don't have time to shop. i just like really well <laughs> with my family, my like extended family. Yeah. By Stephen not ready. I oh a no! Shop for my husband. <laughs> yes, yes. It's so really hard. And he ruins like every six, surprise. I did order him something—a printer. He already okay. He knows. He's like, "What's that package on the front porch?" And he brought in a
0: printer. He's like, "Great <laughs> gift,
1: great gift." I know. I'm
0: like, "This is an unusual <laughs> gift—a printer." Okay, gotcha. <laughs> this is something he needs so that like oh. sometimes he can print print out his patient list at home. Like, maybe he'll get you, you a vacuum or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so it's probably fine that he saw it. Okay, well, when you're old and married like me, maybe you guys will do what we do, which is we're like, how about we not buy each other gifts? I say that. I'm always like,
1: really shitting, or I'm like, I really want a new couch. Yeah. Like, you know, like things like this that we're yeah. just going to buy for ourselves. Yeah. But he always was I'm yes.
0: like, really thoughtful. And I, you know, yes, like yeah. I just told my mm-hmm. husband, I'm like, your gift to me is that I don't have to buy you a gift. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're too busy. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> Um, okay, good. Well, we're kind of on a roll here with Paris Hilton. I usually like to mix it up a little bit, but her, she's just giving me a lot of content here with, <laughs> with her show, Paris and Love. And so what I wanted to talk about today is I was watching a recent episode where she was giving herself an injection, um, and I noticed when she was giving the injection that it really seemed to cause her a lot of pain. Um, and I, that kind of surprised me because a lot of the injections that we give, I mean, I'm not saying they're fun, but they're not that painful, but there is one that's kind of famous for causing a little bit more burning. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if it was that medication called manipur. Um, I showed you the video earlier what do you think do you think it was menopur that she was my best guess okay. context clues I think it's menopur although
1: for me I did have another medication that burned a lot when I went through IVF. So
0: which one which is Ganarelix um mm-hmm. okay okay yeah Ganarelix Cetrotide mm-hmm. Menopur I think they're all pretty famous mm-hmm. for sometimes causing burning but one of the nice things for our patients is in the in most cases we're not using Ganarelix or Cetrotide anymore mm-hmm. we use a pill instead to replace that medication but we are still using Menopur, I think, mm-hmm. for most of our patients, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to talk about Menopur because we just got a little bit of distressing news the other day, <laughs> which is a medication that we use on pretty much all of our IVF patients is going to be on back backorder. Yes, Supply was, shortage. Yes, it was huge news. And of course, we're doing the exact wrong thing.
1: Everyone's like, order all of your manipure ahead of time, get as many orders as possible
0: so that you're the first ones to get filled. And I'm like, doesn't that make it worse? I know that makes the <laughs> shortage even worse. People are hoarding Manipure right now, yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think for the first question that came to my head is why are we having a manipure shortage? Um, you know, I don't think they really released any information on why they're not going to have any available, but I think common reasons would be, you know, maybe there was a problem at the factory. Mm-hmm or mm-hmm. something. I think it's probably made in China. Do you know where it's made? Or I do not. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's made in the yet. U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't really know the reason why, but we have been told to potentially um, expect a long shortage. And so I figured we'd kind of talk to all of you guys about it because I think everybody in the U.S. is going to be affected by it. And so I thought we could talk about why this is important, what does Menopur even do anyways, and can you still have IVF if you don't have your Menopur medication that we would typically use, okay? Um, So one of the interesting things that I was going to bring up is the place you were at before, I think, didn't use Menopur, right? We used it, Okay. but we also used another medication, typically if not
1: more, um, to provide the function that Menopur does for IVF. Okay. Um, So, you know, we can jump into it. So essentially, there's two basic medications that we give during an IVF stimulation (laughs) to make your follicles grow. And the components are FSH and LH, essentially. And, you know, not exactly that makeup, but those two ingredients are what we use to make your follicles grow, which are the houses for the eggs. And the way that we can provide the FSH and LH is just with different medications and different kind of combinations of those medications. Menopur is a medication that has both components, FSH and LH, and you can get that LH component from another medication called low-dose HCG. And so we would actually, you know, a lot of our stims, we would use low-dose HCG to provide that LH component.
0: Yes. Yes. So um, I think when the kind of my first thought is when we are not going to have men appear available, we say, OK, well, I'm glad we still have our other medications available. So um, oftentimes your doctor may be using Follistim or Gonal F. Those are brand names for FSH medication. So that should still be available, which is great. FSH stimulates those follicles to grow bigger, but most of us like to add the Menopur on because Menopur is the only one that has that LH effect when you compare it to Follistim and and GONOF. Um, And I think it's always cool to bring up just how Menopur is made, right? I think it has such an interesting history because it actually links back to Postmenopausal menopausal nuns, yeah. that was kind of in the beginning, mm-hmm. they would take their urine and then highly purify it so that they could get this mixture of FSH and LH and then use that to um, stimulate the ovaries. And the reason that a woman in menopause would have such high levels is those are the hormones that come from our pituitary gland to stimulate our ovaries. And whenever we hit menopause, the ovaries are not responding like they should. And so the brain keeps trying to make higher and higher levels of FSH and LH to tell the ovaries to wake up, and they just won't at that point. But because of that... The urine of women through menopause are going to have very high levels of those very valuable um, hormones. And so I always thought that was kind of a cool background too, which we, I think we've talked about that before too. Yes.
1: That's like somewhat yeah. disgusting sometimes. yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Valid, valid. I know. I mean, I just always think
0: it's bizarre. When I was injecting, yeah. I was like, oh, this is a little bit strange. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, But then can, um, and so I guess I want to bring up too why adding some LH is important. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that FSH stimulates these little cells in your follicles to make estrogen. But in order for our bodies to make estrogen, we have to have a building block to be able to make that estrogen. And surprisingly in women, that building block is actually androgen or what a lot of times we would say male hormone. Okay. And so, um, in the follicles, these little cells, you have cells that make estrogen, you have cells that make androgens and what stimulates those cells that make the androgen building blocks LH. That's what stimulates it. And so knowing that, I think it's nice to also talk about why would using compounded low um, dose HCG, why would this work? Because instead of LH, we're giving something else. Why, why would that help us? So do you want to talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit?
1: So LH and HCG are both very similar structure of hormones. And so you can imagine if a hormone goes to a receptor and that's almost like a key Mm -hmm. going into a lock. LH is a key that can unlock a certain type of door and that same door can be opened with HCG because they have a very similar chemical structure. And so when it's at, we really don't need a lot when it's at these lower doses, it has a very similar effect or an LH effect on your um, cells in your ovaries.
0: Absolutely. And I will say too, sometimes people have asked really great questions like, why don't we just have just LH by itself that we can give. And I will say in other countries, they have had these options before, but the hard part is LH has a very short half-life. That means it doesn't live in our system very long. And nobody wants to have to take multiple injections all throughout the day. So it is nice when you can use something like HCG because HCG will bind to that LH receptor, but HCG has a longer half-life. So it will stay in your system longer and therefore can be a very um, effective um, alternative to use as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, amongst the shortage that we're going to be expecting, instead of using Menopure. We do think it's acceptable and fine to use the low-dose low dose, um, HCG instead, and we both used it before, and I didn't really feel like I solved any issues or problems. Um, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I would say I probably used it more prior yeah. to coming to Texas, Yeah, and I really like it. I think patients like it. Probably, yeah. they like it more than Menopur for exactly the
0: reasons why we just saw Paris Hilton complaining about yes. it. Yes. Yeah, my patients told me there's not really any burning with it, right? I don't yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Which I will say, too, in regards to the burning issue, it was interesting because I have um, tried to report this to the manufacturer um, actually several times. And actually, the very first time that I reported it to them, they said, really, your patients are saying that? We never hear that. Oh, my gosh. But is it just my patients? And am, am I telling them to do it wrong yeah. or something? I kind of look into No. Yeah. And when I told one of my patients that, she was like, No, Dr. Reed, go on TikTok yeah. <laughs> and search burn, or I think they even call it MetaBurn. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you will see video after video after video of people talking about the Metapure burn. It is a well-known phenomenon. And so then I talked to them again, and then med- and I said, look, <laughs> check social media. <laughs> yeah, check your facts. It is happening. You know, is this a pH problem? You know, try to get this figured out. And, you know, it just they haven't really changed anything unless maybe that's why we're having the shortage. Maybe they're reformulating or something, that Great. <laughs> but I give them a hard time. I'm like, men appear, do you guys hate women? Like why, why won't you change this? Surely there's a way to make it, you know, more comfortable for this injection. I know it's possible because when they take their other injections, most of the time they don't really have um, any issues or problems with that. So. Um, Okay, so um, in terms of the medication, um, I've been getting some good patient questions about how it might be different when um, compared to taking Menopur. And so one of the things, and I think this makes a lot of sense, I loved this um, question that somebody brought up is they said, okay, well, Dr. Reed, I know that when it comes time to trigger my follicles for an egg retrieval, you use HCG. So if you're giving me HCG before it's time for my egg retrieval, am I going to ovulate too soon? And so I just wanted you to kind of talk about that a little bit as well.
1: Yeah. So the dose that we're going to give you to function as LH is really, really low. The dose that we're going to give you for you to trigger and basically start that process of ovulation is much higher. So the way hormones act in our body, when they're circulating at a certain lower level, they can often have completely different functions than when they hit a higher threshold and then are able to achieve something much bigger like ovulation. Um, But interestingly, they have looked at, because one of the big questions is, is there some sort of ceiling or some sort of limit when you're doing an IVF stimulation that you really shouldn't go above exposing these follicles to LH? And one of the theories is, if we give you too much LH or say HCG, can you kind of have this like attenuated or small, you know, premature ovulation, then then later, later, <laughs> not ovulate properly, basically. Um, and so there are a lot of theories out there that are in the literature. So I, I do think it's a good question yeah. as to... Could there be some worry about dosing too high during the stimulation Mm -hmm. and then ultimately hurting yourself later? But in my experience with stimulating with LH and low-dose HCG, I've never seen women have enough of it to really affect their surge later.
0: Yes, yes. And I will say too, I think sometimes it helps to just know that even Menopur, which they market that it's FSH and LH. But if you actually read the fine print, it actually says Mm -hmm. FSH and LH driven Mm -hmm. effect. Mm -hmm. They do, well, I guess I should be careful on how I say it. I suspect that they add a little bit of HCG to their Menopure, anyways. Um, I will say, I think on the company level, they officially deny it. But I, I've seen a study where they looked at all the metabolites mm-hmm. in Menopure, and they highly mm-hmm. suspect that they actually add a little mm-hmm. bit of HCG to their um, formula anyways. So I don't think anybody should feel worried or scared because... Um, I think it's already there. And the other thing is too, um, when I was at UT Southwestern and we did a lot of research there, we would check HCG levels on our patients who were doing IVF, and we would typically see a small um, amount of HCG in their system while they were taking menopure. Now, some people could say, oh, that's HCG coming from the pituitary gland, which sometimes um, that certainly can happen in menopausal women um, anyways. But again, we kind of suspect that some of the HCG was added into the menopure. So it probably isn't not much different than if you were taking regular mm-hmm. Menopur anyways. Yeah. One thing I
1: mm-hmm. think we should caution about because yes. I have seen it happen to a uh-huh. couple of patients is that now let's say you've done IVF in the past. Yeah. You were used to using Menopur and you're going to do IVF again. Yeah. And this time you're going to use low dose HCG. Your trigger shot is also HCG as mm-hmm. Dr. Reed mm-hmm. said. Sometimes those are pregnant nomrel even we use ovidril sometimes for ivf stimulations all of those things are hcg yeah I have seen women accidentally start using their pregnal or their novel, which are HCG, thinking it's their low dose mm-hmm. HCG, and that will affect yes. your stimulation. Yes. Because like I said, yeah. it's much higher doses. Yeah. And so you have to read your labels this time. Make sure you clarify with your doctor, okay, which medication is which? What is my dosage? Um, I haven't seen a a few patients
0: have messed up stems because yes, of that. Very frustrating. That's things. such a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And actually, it kind of made me think of another point too. So, as we told you before, Menopure has FSH and LH driven effect. And so we're saying instead of that LH driven effect, you can do the low dose HCG. But that means we're missing the FSH that the Menopure would have given us. Okay, so routinely, if you're going to be using this as a replacement, then you need to take a higher dose of your FSH, your GONAL-F or your FOLISTEN, so that you can account for that as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for example, you may have been used to, one of our high dose
1: protocols is 300 Mm -hmm. of FOLISTEN or Mm GONAL-F and then 150 of Menopur, which is two vials. So if we were going to change that out to be low dose HCG, that would be a dose of 450 of FOLISTEN or GONAL-F. So you're going think, wow, I'm doing way more medication, but you're really not because we took away all that FSH that was provided by Minicure. And then your low-dose HCG dose, you'll probably be on a higher low-dose HCG dose, something like 50. Um, And so that's more of the max dose protocol for someone that's going through.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important to remember, too, when you're calculating cost difference, because I remember when I first learned about low-dose HCG, I thought, oh, it's so much cheaper than Metapier. This is great. You know, but then when you factor in the fact that you have to buy more of the expensive Follastim or Vinyl F, it really kind of is pretty close in cost from what I found. So, mm-hmm, definitely. but I'm just thank goodness that there is an alternative that is available that we'll be able to use as well. Um, But I have to say it's frustrating because we are seeing all types of drug shortages. I don't know if you saw um, some of the local pharmacies are running out of Prometrium, which is a common type of progesterone that we're using. Yes. Well, Um, I've been waiting
1: for Endometrin to come back for a while. So Endometrin is another... A uh, progesterone suppository that we use for IVF often, and it's made from the same company
0: that does
1: Menopur. And that uh-huh. one, I've been—I don't think I still don't think it's back, right? No, it's—it hasn't
0: uh-huh. been, been back. Yeah. And actually, then I heard an interesting rumor about uh, growth hormone. There's been growth hormone sh- shortages, which the use of growth hormone very controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also on a national shortage. And what I read, the rumor is, is that if you look at one of the growth hormone pens it looks very similar to an Ozempic pen. And apparently mm. they, it's the same company that, that makes those, right? Mm. Well, they're, so Ozempic is a weight loss medication that everybody Very wants because it's what the celebrities yeah. use to lose weight <laughs> and everything, right? So there is worldwide demand for it. Nobody can keep up with that demand. And so the rumor is that to keep up with the demand, they've been producing less growth hormone pins and instead using their resources and, and people to make more Ozempic. So, I mean, I hope that. That's not the case behind all these fertility medication shortages, but definitely a frustrating situation to be in, I think, on the patient side of things, right? Yeah, certainly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. Um, Okay. Another question that my patient had that I thought was a really good question. So she brought up to me that we know that towards the end of a retrieval, if somebody is at higher risk of getting hyperstimulation syndrome that we will often hold the HCG trigger. So we will not give an HCG trigger, and instead we will do a Lupron-only trigger because we know that that will give us a dramatically lower chance of that patient getting hyperstimulation after the retrieval. And so she had concerns, okay, well, you're saying I shouldn't take HCG because I'm at higher risk of stimulation, but now you're going to give me HCG. Good question, right? It's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I gotta see the logic. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what do you? What advice would you give yeah. her on
1: that? So, certainly not. I've mm-hmm. never seen that happen with anyone using LODOS HCG. Mm-hmm. It's just not at the levels. Basically, the thought is with HCG, and really, you can go back to who got the worst hyperstimulation syndrome. Mm-hmm. It was patients who got pregnant, like a fresh transfer after IVF. And why is that? Because they had HCG levels that were lingering in their system for, you know, delay delivered, right? So it didn't go away. So even in let's say you get an HCG trigger and you do get hyperstimulation, there's a finite amount of HCG in your system. Eventually it's going to go away and you're going to recover from hyperstimulation syndrome. When you're using low-dose HCG, it is out of your system, not hanging around a long enough time that it's going to trigger a hypersimulation. It's just not enough there.
0: Absolutely. Yep. And to, I mean, I think the other thing is I said, look, we'll be monitoring you as we go along too, right? So after you've been on the medication for a certain period of time, we'll check your estrogen level. We'll make sure that your levels aren't getting too high and we can always um, adjust as needed. Um, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another
1: kind of phenomenon about LH and FSH that mm-hmm. I'm curious about to see if you ever do it. Yeah. Um, and patients, maybe you've had this happen to you. So when we were really worried about hyperstimulation syndrome, mm-hmm. and maybe for some reason you can't use a Lupron trigger, there are certain patients that mm-hmm. you can't give a Lupron yeah. trigger to, they won't respond. Yeah. Particularly like the hypanic. hypothalamic patients and yeah. um, who don't have any of their endogenous LH to make them surge, right? Yeah. And you may try something called coasting
0: or uncoasting. Do you ever coast Mm -hmm. or uncoast your patients? You know, I haven't personally done it, um, but I, my partner that um, was at the last practice, I, I would see him do it on occasion. Um, and it certainly seems like an acceptable way to do it. Um, coasting just means, you know what, you take a break for a couple of days from your medication. And a lot of times when your follicles are bigger, they'll just keep growing anyways. like it's, you don't have to worry about it. It's, they don't typically crash or anything like that. Um, but I think it's just not as common. Do you, do you do a lot of coasting? So what
1: I think is interesting about using low dose dose HCG is you have a little bit more ability to what we call uncoast, um, Mm. where you can actually rely on LH (laughs) to just finish the follicles at the end. So the idea is Someone's going to have a lot of follicles around. We're going to recruit as many as we can. Mm -hmm. Basically at the beginning of the cycle, that's faded. We know how many are going to grow, Mm -hmm. right? They start growing. We're feeding them fuel. We're feeding them FSH. We're feeding them LH. Well, eventually they get to a point where LH can feed them alone, Mm -hmm. but smaller Mm -hmm. follicles really can't be fed with Mm -hmm. just LH. So the idea is to uncoast, you're taking away FSH and you're just feeding them LH. So you just get those bigger ones that you got to grow to continue and you choke off all those smaller ones. Yeah. And so then they don't release as much estrogen and decreases chances of hyperstimulation syndrome and things like that. So you basically finish up the ones that you got. You don't get a lot yeah. of the smaller ones that are coming up, which they say the small and mm-hmm. intermediate sized follicles are often what we worry about for hyperstimulation yeah. syndrome. So I did see that a lot. And yeah. I think it's interesting here. Everyone uses Menopur. Yeah. Like yeah, everyone. Right. Yeah. So it would be hard. Yeah. To uncoast, right? right. Because it has FSH your only genetic. source of FSH yeah. is mixed with FSH. So yeah. Certainly really mm-hmm. haven't seen that where I am now, but yeah. more often that people would really flip ratios and things like that. So it's, it just gives you a lot more flexibility. I'm used to having like a lot of different tools. Yeah. You know, I like to do a lot of different protocols and yeah. things like that. It's just kind of fun yeah. to now we're going to have this other medication that we can do a lot more for patients. Work, so. Right.
0: So, I mean, I, I think it's kind of, it doesn't seem logical, but I'm actually excited about the shortage because I'm like, you know what? I think it's going to um, give us a chance to just use an alternative that actually patients might like better and, and docs might like better as well. And um, we'll have to see how long the shortage lasts um, for that. But I will say, too, it was interesting. One of my patients works with horses and fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just telling me that really, I mean, in a lot of cases, they're using the exact same medications mm-hmm. on horses for IVF. But they're so much cheaper. Oh Does she want to use horse medicine? <laughs> I mean, she didn't say that. But I was talking to one of my OBGYN <laughs> friends yesterday, and she was like, I would definitely use horse medicine. No, I would not recommend that because <laughs> you just don't know the potency and the safety and all the rest of it. But I would say it just speaks to a bigger issue of why are medications so expensive here in the US? Yeah. If you compare to other countries, mm-hmm. they're so much cheaper. If you compare to animals, they're so much cheaper. So, so funny. Well, I yeah. don't know
1: anything about horses. But yeah. I do know dogs because I love dogs, as you know. <laughs> and my experience with my dog medications uh-huh. is my vet tells me, and correct uh-huh. me if there's a vet listening, yeah. but that dogs require more medication than yeah. humans do because they. Metabolize it quick, more quickly for the uh, most part. So uh, I've also heard of people yeah. using like pain medicines and uh, things like that in their strong. dogs because they're very strong. So it'd yeah. be the same concept. But yeah.
0: I would worry that like the IVF medications are really strong. If it's for a horse, no, like, I know. Well, because and because well, but that kind of spoke to cost too because they were yeah. like imagine the doses yeah. we have to use. Them, of course, doses. like. Yeah. <laughs> Um but um but yeah the cost is just so much cheaper. So it's not a big deal for a horse to be on, I guess, menapure falls none and all the rest of it. So I love just learning about this. For breeding purposes, I guess with mm. horses, you there's good good horses like race horses I'm and certain types of horses getting pregnant, yeah. or they want like I
1: like, think <laughs> they want
0: like a really good, well bred horse. From what I understand, I interesting, yeah, very interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our lab director knows a lot about it too. She okay. she also does, I think, horse IVF. Oh. <laughs> I know oh. I've been fascinated by because I am like so you do a like an egg I've heard retrieval. A lot about they do cows, an egg but, retrieval yeah. just yeah. like we would do an egg retrieval. But oh, it does require, like, two people because, like, one has the ultrasound probing and the other one's doing the needle and everything. Oh, so I, I'm fascinated by all of this. So, yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, good. Well, should we wrap it up for the week? Let's. Yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay, good. All right. Well, thank you, guys. We will see you all for the next one. Right, Bye. Happy holidays.